intelligence. And some of you may have heard of emotional intelligence, right? Or EQ, they call it. It's sort of a leadership buzzword and emotional intelligence is good. It recognises that not everyone is book smart. Not everyone is smart with doing things with their hands or musically gifted, but actual the ability to manage your emotions and have interpersonal relationships and things is actually a type of intelligence. So that's good. I think that the current times call for some EQ, the capacity to be aware of and uh, control and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. But this morning... As good as emotional intelligence is, I want to talk to us about spiritual intelligence, or let's call it SQ if you like, just because I like to make up new things. Let's just do that this morning, (laughs) get a bit creative. And I'm not knocking emotional intelligence. That's great. I think, you know, as leaders of your household and in workplaces and in teacher, as teachers and people in the community and um, pastors, whatever, we need emotional intelligence. But I think these days, like Noah, <laughs> call for us to be spiritually intelligent as well. And I think spiritual intelligence is actually awareness of spiritual things, choosing spiritual thinking and expressing spiritual things, not just carnal things or the things that everybody else is doing. I think that spiritual intelligence that God is calling us to is gaining confidence in handling the things of the Spirit. Who would like to be more confident in handling the things of the Spirit? Just get into that groove a bit more easily. Um, I think that spiritual intelligence intelligence is about discerning um, the things of the Spirit and um, recognising how they impact our day-to-day relationships, not just the things that we see on the surface. To be spiritually sensitive and expand our spiritual capacity. Who would like to expand their spiritual capacity this morning? I would. And I think part of that, like, is some general comments, which I can make because I've kind of made this whole thing up, but I was thinking about it, uh, you know, because we, we read a lot of leadership material and that's all fantastic, but I really feel that God wants to take us deeper in our spiritual walk with him and, and to show us not just to consider our own purposes, but to consider his purposes It's not all about our agenda. Spiritual intelligence is knowing when to put that aside and put his purposes first. I think that spiritual intelligence probably includes daily, moment by moment, choosing faith over fear. That can be a challenge in these uncertain times. I believe that spiritual intelligence is about um, being balanced in the things that he calls us to and being moved by what moves him, what moves God. Jesus was moved by compassion. He responds to faith. I believe that's all part of it. Learning to value what the spirit values. That can sometimes be in um, opposition to what um, our culture or society might be um, suggesting. I believe that spiritual intelligence includes a sensitivity, a spiritual sensitivity, not to the point of being easily offended or crushed, but alert and responsive. Is everyone awake this morning? You're alert and responsive. And I believe spiritual intelligence is about getting more adept at picking up spiritual clues and the Holy Spirit's leading rather than just simply reacting from the flesh to mature in the expression of his gifts. Sounds like a pretty broad topic, right? spiritual intelligence. 
And uh, there's just three indicators this morning of spiritual intelligence that I want to just talk about. And uh, maybe some more next week, but just three this morning, because I know we have some kids, some very well-mannered kids in the service and, and uh, well-mannered grown-ups too. And uh, <laughs> so we won't keep you here forever, but um, know that Kids Church will return um, someday soon, which will be great. But the first indicator I want to talk about, next slide, Elric, there's three A's this morning that I'm going to give you. The ability to alter perspective. There'll be a couple of others to come. Now, the ability to exchange a worldly perspective for a heavenly one is vital in our spiritual walk. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And that's refreshing to read, but not so easy to do, right? (laughs) Because whatever troubles that you might be facing this morning, they may not seem very light or momentary to you as you're carrying that trouble or being impacted by that trouble. And uh, there's no point attempting to to suggest that you're not being challenged or to minimise that there is a challenge. But I really believe that God calls us all as his disciples to just daily (laughs) in those situations that might not seem that light or momentary that we're in is to shift our perspective to what the truth of his word says there. Because our perspective has a powerful effect on our thoughts, words and actions, right? And so if we can shift from an earthly perspective to a heavenly perspective that says, right, I do have this trouble, but you know what? In the ultimate scheme of things, when I look at it against eternity, it is light and momentary. And when we actually can do that, it's amazing how it impacts sometimes that situation, but more importantly, how we respond to it. And uh, yeah, so a worldly perspective always is caught up in just focusing on what he's seeing, on self. It's all about me and how I feel about this situation. I'm struggling with this. This is really hurting me or whatever. And it might only focus on the limitations or on seeking an earthly perspective seeks approval from those around you. Where a heavenly perspective, as we grow in our SQ, our spiritual maturity, is one that actually more and more focuses on the unseen realities of God's presence, power and his sovereignty. That's, a, that's the, the transition. And it will infuse us with hope that is beyond the circumstances that might be rotten and actually keeps taking us back to how big our God is in our world and in that situation. And yeah, and it will actually impact the sorts of things we do and the sorts of things that we say. When we actually become more spiritually intelligent and learn how to shift our perspective from earthly to heavenly, the people around us begin to look different as well. We actually suddenly see them more graciously. We actually see potential. We actually don't get so easily frustrated or discouraged by supposedly their lack of whatever because we see what God is doing in them or what is going to happen when they allow God into their lives. These are the eyes that we need. And so I want to encourage us this morning to, when we have momentary troubles, to actually keep shifting our perspective to one that focuses on the backdrop of eternity and not just what's happening before us. And I know that um, 
that there are times where, like, it takes a little while sometimes for stuff to happen that's for, for good or the change that we need. Um, but just to be patient and just to be continually doing that process of shifting our perspective to actually gain the thing that we're believing for. Because it probably won't happen if we just keep go, going down in the doldrums and getting locked in that. And uh, we had a great praise report before the service. I know that some of you knew personally or some of you knew just knew generally. We were praying for people for work in our congregation. And I uh, hope Walter doesn't mind. But yes, we've got a great praise report. He received work on Thursday. And uh, that's exciting. And uh, go and chat to them later about the testimony of how when Arbery was praying at the petrol pump or wherever he was <laughs> and how Mama Bear and the family have been faithfully praying for a few weeks when his previous job finished and, uh, and they've just been standing strong, shifting their perspective, not to the need as such but to what God's going to do. And uh, we give him thanks for that this morning. And so, look, it's just a reminder this morning that the devil, remember, is under our feet. He's under our feet, but God is bigger than any circumstance that's challenging us this morning. Is everyone awake? Yes, we're alert. I can't see everyone, that's why I have to ask. <laughs> the second A, we've got a triple A rating this morning in spiritual intelligence, is awareness of the unseen realm. And, you know, the material world is not the be-all and the end-all of everything that's going on. And sometimes we can have this thinking that creeps into our Christian worldview that's really not very Christian where we just, we just actually forget what else is really going on in our world, that there is a spiritual battle that we're in. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the here and now and what's happening with that person or that situation that we forget it. And Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's a good reminder. So that person that's bugging you or that you seem to have some sort of conflict or tension with, do you know what? That person, this scripture tells me, is not my enemy. They're not your enemy. It says here we actually wrestle against spiritual, not flesh and blood enemies. And that just helps me when I, when I, you can be caught up. You know, sometimes someone might be a troublemaker. They might say stuff about you at school or at work and you think, whoa, what's that all about? And you get caught up in the personality thing and he said, she said and whatever. But this scripture is a great one to read if you're coming into a situation like that. It helps you take a step back and think, hang on a minute. I don't wrestle against this person. It's the spiritual forces that are behind it. And so to me, I think then, once I've reminded myself that I'm in a spiritual battle, <laughs> well, I can try to, I don't always succeed in this, but if someone really wants to fight, I don't actually have to give them a fight. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I can be savvy, I can be aware that I'm in a spiritual battle and I'm not going to get caught up in this situation and I'm actually going to fight the way God wants me to fight, which is on my knees in prayer. Let prayer do the work. Let him do what's needed. And so instead of nursing or rehearsing a hurt that someone may have given me, whether they knew it or not, let's face it, some people can be cranky or nasty. Maybe we've been cranky or nasty sometimes, you know. But instead of doing that, I can actually 
getting to spiritual warfare instead where I can actually pray things like this. Lord, I think there's something a bit weird going on with that between that person and me. I pray this morning that you would bless them. I pray that you'd give them a touch of your Holy Spirit. And I, Lord, I just choose now, you can do declare prayers. That's what I call them. I, I just declare now, Lord God, that I'm not going to let animosity or jealousy or um, competition or whatever it is come between me and that person's relationship. Maybe as you're praying, you discover that there might be a little bit in you, not just the other person. It might be a two-way street. You declare that. And I do things like this, like aloud if I'm not near anyone to freak them out, or maybe in a prayer meeting, that's okay. I say, well, I take the sword of the Spirit, which we know is the revealed Word of God, and I just, I cut the tie, any unhealthy tie between me and that person. And I pray that you would cause nothing to hinder us from what you want us to do, Lord, that nothing would separate us from your love. That's just a, that's the sort of way that I pray. And then it tells us in Scripture, which we'll have to look at on another week as well, but about how you can bind and, and, and uh, cast out spirits. You know, like maybe God will show you that you just need to pray against the spirit of confusion or whatever, and you do that, and then you move away and love the person that's in flesh and blood in front of you while remembering when you have to fight... When there needs to be a fight, it needs to be in the spiritual realm. Are you with me this morning, church? Awesome. And the unseen realm is not just all about the bad stuff, the enemy, the evil spirits. And, and that's okay that we can have authority in those situations. That's fine. We, I'm not minimising that. We have an awareness that there's that. But there's also the good guys. I've been reminded lately of the angels and don't go, oh, Renee's gone weird. No, this is in my theology uh, paper. Uh, we had to review a book or a, um, a film and reflect on um, some of its themes and how you could link them to biblical theology. And the, the, what I chose actually um, just really helped me to remind myself, you know, that's right, there's, there's good angels. It's not all about the, the, the demons, you know, there's angels out there. And uh, the Bible in numerous places confirms the existence of angels. It's not my weird and wonderful idea. And I, yeah, it is good. It's actually in the Greek, angelos is, re- is uh, rendered messenger. So it probably isn't like the, the Disney cartoon, the angel that we're thinking of with the big wings. I think they're always referred to as men in scripture so far. You know, got blokey names like Gabriel and Michael or whatever. But, you know... It probably isn't like what's in the cartoons, but they definitely exist. And they're basically referred to as messengers of God. And uh, they've, um, an order of created beings, Scripture also tells us, that are a little higher than us. We sometimes think, well, we're so awesome. And we are. We were, the, we were uh, the pinnacle of God's creation at the Garden of Eden. But angels are also created beings and they belong in heaven and are engaged in God's service. And uh, the Old Testament, Christ's teachings and the teachings of Paul and other apostles all support the existence of angels. And so sometimes if you're thinking like, oh, poor old me, it's always a struggle, you've got to remind yourself what you're experiencing in the here and now is only a fraction of the truth of what's happening in our world. And not only are there spiritual forces for good, for bad, but there's spiritual forces uh, for good as well. So evil and good. And it says um, in Psalm 91, 11, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. 
And it's biblical to recognise angelic assistance for our kids even. I mean, I'm not sure whether they're strictly guardian angels as you, you, know, you might see in films or whatever, but it actually says in Matthew 18.10, Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, children, for I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. So if you, if you think that something's going on with your kids, why not, instead of going to everyone of your friends and talking about it and amplifying the problem, like pray with a, a friend if you, if you like, but why not pray things like over your kids today? Lord, I just thank you that you're looking after my kid. I pray that there'll even be an angelic messenger there, you know, to stop my kid from making that bad decision or just to be there. Like, why don't we get a bit more savvy in our spiritual intelligence, a bit more aware of these sorts of things. And of course, we know that in the day that Christ returns, um, he's going to return, it says in uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.7, he's going to return with his mighty angels. And so, yeah, just keep your ears pricked as you're reading scripture in the days ahead about angelic help for us. And, you know, just to wrap that up, because I don't want to talk about angels, that is another A, but the whole morning, it's just to be aware that (laughs) angelic ministry on earth, from my understanding of scripture, is mostly for sensory matters, you know, to give a message, um, like the help to release the chains from Peter or to open prison doors. But don't forget, don't amplify them more than the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit not angels, whose job it is to bring truth and reveal truth. But nonetheless, let's be aware who is on our side, that God is for us and that we are actually in a spiritual battle where he's given us everything we need to succeed and that Jesus has won the victory for us. Okay, the last A that we're going to talk about, but can't switch off yet because we've got a little role play coming up. and So we're not finishing in two minutes, so just hang in there. But the third spiritual uh, intelligence indicator, oh, I like that turn, nice one, is our oral skills. And I rephrase this because it started with A, but it's really the ability to hear what the spirit says. That would have to be an indicator of spiritual intelligence, of spiritual maturity, right? And in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, on seven occasions, Christ writes, or is recorded that Christ said, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. So we can't really have great spiritual intelligence if we're not listening if we refuse to hear what the Spirit is saying, right? And uh, look, there's a whole range of issues and concerns that are are really drilled down on in those two chapters. It's a bit hard hitting about what um, is being said to the angel of those churches, which again is interesting itself. The message comes to the angel of those churches. Um, So that's another whole topic there. But the bottom line is clean up your act. That's actually what the Spirit is saying to the churches in the book of Revelations. And Ray and Jane are going to come now and uh, they're going to do a little role play for us um, to help us think about hearing what the Spirit might be saying to the church at large, the church universal. Did you want this area?
We've got to stand near each other. Morning. Good morning. Radio. Well, I was kind of thinking, I'd really like to find the perfect church. So I know what I can do. I'll bring the Apostle Paul. He'd be a good bloke to ask a few questions. I know, he could help me find the perfect church. After all, he founded lots of churches. He knows them all very well. Hang on, I'll just give him a call. Yeah, you got his number? Right, okay. Ring, ring. Paul speaking. Oh, oh, oh. Um, presence of Christ be with you. Yeah, right. Um, amen, sister. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you, but um, I need your help. I've been... I've been so disappointed in the church I'm in. Uh, I'm so looking forward. There must be a perfect church. I was thinking maybe um, the church in Corinth. Is, it that per- is that the perfect church? Look, the, the church in, in Corinth, they've, they've got these little groups. There's, there's envy in the church, there's strife. There's issues that end up in the courts and some of the people that go to church there are committing sexual immorality. Huh? Oh, okay. Well, what about the church in Ephesus? Well, Ephesus is a church that's based on the Word of God, but lately there's, there's been a, a lot of unloving people going to the services. Oh, dear. Oh, oh well, um, 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 church in Thessalonica, what about that? Look, there's a lot of people in the church there that just don't want to work. Oh, dear. This is getting hard, Mr. Apostle. Um, what if I go to the church at Philippi? Well, that's a great church, but look, there's, there's two sisters there. One named Euodia and another, whose name I always have trouble with, Synthachi. And with weird names like that, they're always mocking each other. And they've had this disagreement and they're not talking to each other. Well, I don't think I'll go there. Okay, well, um, could I move to the church in Colossae? Well, yeah, at Colossae, there, there's, there's heretics there. there. There's all sorts of confusion. There's also a group in the church that's worshipping angels. What? Oh, what about the church in Galatia? Hang on, I'll put my headset mic on. Well, there's some there who, who, who bite and devour each other. Cannibals. I didn't know it was so hard to find the perfect church. Look... I was texting the Apostle Paul the other day and he asked how the church and I asked how the church at Thyatira was doing. He told me that there are members there, they're allowing a woman who calls herself a prophetess to teach about prostitution and idolatry. He went on to say that the church at Laodicea, they had members there that, well, they're far from perfect. They're proud, materialistic, lukewarm, warm, and in Pergamum, there's a, there's a bunch of, there who follow the doctrines of the Nicolaitans and the doctrines of Balaam. Wow. Paul, I thought of going to the church in Jerusalem, but I heard there's a lot of prejudice there, as well as whingers, and some who lie to the apostles. So where do you go? Look, you need to understand that there's, there's no perfect church. If you find one, you'll wreck it. But... 
It's because churches are made up of people. Oh, that's me. <laughs> My advice, because I'm almost perfect, is to stop criticising church leaders and your sisters and brothers and always wanting to be right about everything. Stop spreading negative comments about others. Begin to cooperate with the church to achieve perfection in Christ, just as I've been doing. Stop seeing people with bad eyes. Instead, see them through Christ's eyes. Don't stop going to church just because we're imperfect, but rather help your, brother, your brethren by counselling and exhorting them in Christ's love. Make yourself available to God. When you go to church, don't worry whether the message is going to be pleasing to you because you go there to offer your life as, as a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. I wrote to Timothy a while back um, in the second second um, letter I wrote him and I said look Tim you've got to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ because no one engaged in a war gets caught up with the affairs of this life but they keep away from everything that's going on in this life because they want to please the one who enlisted them as a soldier plus you know if anyone competes in athletics they don't get to stand on the podium unless they compete according to the rules. Right, okay. Thanks, Mr. Apostle. <laughs> Pastor, I hate. Apostle isn't bad, actually. I get comfortable with that. always have an ear for what the Spirit is saying to the churches and what the Spirit is saying to the church today. And you know what, I think the bottom line of what the Holy Spirit says to the church continually over time and across culture, it's nuanced, but it's always the bottom line like we see on seven occasions to those seven churches in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3, is pretty much clean up your act. There's a few, you know, nuances from that. But... Um, and I think over time in history, God has always, through his Holy Spirit, brought revelation to restore truths to the church that may have been lost or uh, to bring correction. And, you know, sometimes um, his people may have just taken a slight wobbly detour on the flight plan and sometimes it's been massive. But, you know, the Holy Spirit's job uh, through the word, the living word, is to always bring correction and keep us on track. And so I've been thinking about what, the, what is the Holy Spirit saying to the church today? Not just way church, but to the church in our land. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself or like say I am the prophet, but I think it's worth thinking about, worth journaling about. And um, during isolation, um, I was journaling this and uh, keeping an eye on what sort of some other leaders and prophets were saying, but I really felt... That what the Holy Spirit was saying during isolation was that we don't actually need to always do what each other is doing. I felt that we would have really missed the mark if we got into comparison or competing, you know, like because the, the experience that we've had is a bit out of the box, right? 
but not every church <laughs> is set up with the same resources or whatever as every other church, which is always the case, not just in isolation, but that would actually miss what Holy Spirit was doing if we got caught up in that, but he wanted us to be creative and to be who we are as this branch of his church. And again, I felt him saying, like, he, like even I think Envy was one of the ones that came out before, that God's church should never be about comparison or competition. So I, I journaled that one. And uh, he gave me this phrase, which you can put up now, Elric, is that I believe he's called um, all the individual churches that make up his church. We're not called to replication. We're called to move over for innovation. Okay, and so it's great to know what such and such church does. We might get a good idea from them or, you know, or learn from their mistakes as well if that didn't work. So I'm not against that. But I actually believe that Holy Spirit is creative and is creative beyond just whether we sing three songs and we do this thing or that thing. But he's, he's just waiting, waiting for us uh, to call on him to give us creative ideas. And I believe that's how he sustained us during isolation, maybe even in your own home or your own personal walk, you experience that. Perhaps this is a time what the Spirit is saying to the church. Uh, clearly, God has allowed there to be a pandemic, so, so he's not surprised by it. What would he be saying to us as a church? I think perhaps he could be saying that we don't have to get attached to particular customs and practices. The gospel is actually the bigger issue. The customs and practices of how we celebrate that, of how we communicate that, are there to serve the gospel of good news. And of course, we've all been talking as church leaders and we've done in our leaders meeting after isolation or once we really come out of isolation with no regulations, we've been talking about what we should keep and what we should change and all of that, and they're important questions. But I don't want to create an impression that everything has to change because that would be the wrong expectation because I feel what the Holy Spirit has been saying at this time is it's actually not about our programs. It's actually about a paradigm shift in our heart. And I think that what's happened on the earth has almost um, drilled down on that because we can't go and do, do, do this thing and that thing as we've normally broken up our week. It really has been quite different where God has had to work just in our hearts and it can't just be getting trapped in what's happening here and what's happening there and that normal activity. Although, mind you, the tyranny of Zoom meetings were still calling each day, so you could have easily got sidetracked there. But for afterwards, the time that we're almost there, almost there, I hope. But I feel what the Spirit is saying to the churches today and to this church is to don't take for granted our ability to assemble. We in Australia probably have done that, right? Like, I mean, I try not, I have open doors correspondence. We, we support the persecuted church in a very small way. We, we could do more financially, I'm sure. But, you know, emails would come through during the week about this church, I think just recently, um, bulldozed in Egypt. Um, you know, people beaten up and, and but, you know, it's... We've been finding it tough not being able to assemble, but our brothers and sisters in Christ have been having this problem for a, from a different cause for years, decades, centuries, you know, and we can sometimes become so complacent. Oh, I'll go to church next week. And that's okay. Like, there's no judgment. Everything I want us to do should be out of freedom and out of God's conviction. Don't come out of duty. Stay in bed. Come when you get a heart for God and then come is what I say. But I just feel 
that that is what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Don't ever take for granted the ability to come to church. And be careful that we don't slip into bad habits of, oh, I'll just stay home this morning, like from isolation. We could easily, easily think, oh, I love staying in my pyjamas. I love keeping my slippers on for church, you know. What's not to love, right? <laughs> but don't be, don't fall into that trap or just, or I'll just surf the worldwide churches. It's so great. I can, you know, pop into this church, pop into that church. I'm so grateful for technology. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But... We need to be invested in our own local church community as well. And so that's what I feel the Spirit is saying to the church at large in our nation and maybe across the globe. The other thing I think, which won't be a surprise to you, is that the church is not contained in the four walls of this building. It never was. And while it is such a blessing that we can come together today physically, even though it feels a bit weird because we're not all here and we're sort of spread out, that is a blessing. But I think the pandemic and how we responded to the church at large during you know, lockdown by getting the word out uh, through the airways and through streaming has just showed again that God was never meant to be contained in this space. He's always meant to be taken out of this building and so let's keep the mindset that we developed when we were streaming church. Our reach was far bigger, far bigger there than it is this morning. And uh, we just haven't tried the streaming this morning yet. We have complications within this space uh, with that. So that's the, our, our vision was actually to continue streaming and we'll work out how we do that, particularly for our WeWall congregation who can't, uh, we can't be there or they can't be with us every week. But we hit a bit of a speed hump with this physical space here, but that's okay, we'll look at that. But the streaming is just a mechanism. The mindset is that we're not to settle back. We're not, we need to see how the gospel can get out of this space. And so that's what I believe the Spirit is saying to the church, not to settle back. And it's deeper than programs. It's deeper than how we do things. It's about a paradigm shift. And uh, I won't share it all today, but I don't know if you remember... Uh, March last year, we had David McDonald come, the prophet, and uh, he stopped in that leaders meeting in that foyer there where we had the, the first meeting. Then we went down to Tamworth for the, the wider regional meetings. And he stopped and he said, Renee, how big is your church? And I already had this on the inside. And I said, 8,000 to 20,000. And he said, correct. <laughs> the, church is the, the church is called to the community that they're in and even here and beyond, as our vision statement is that, you know, we're to make disciples of Christ who make a difference here and beyond. And so I think the time of isolation, as I journaled, as I reflected, as I looked at what was happening in the earth, it's only confirmed in me more and more that that is what the church is for, to get the gospel out and not just have it contained in here. And uh, thinking about my role as senior pastor and the role of our shepherds and leaders at the church, yes, we are to know where the sheep are. You know, Jesus said, you know, feed my sheep. Look after my lambs. Feed them. He, he, of course it is. We need to know where they are. We need to look after. We need to look after each other. But I really felt strongly this phrase that God has not called me to be a sheep counter, but a son sender or a daughter sender. So we're not, it's not a territorial thing. We're actually to bring in his harvest. It's not all about just us here. We are important because we're going to get it done. And we're going to love each other, but it's bigger than just us. And I had this other phrase I wrote down that the church, this is what the Spirit is saying to the church, the church is called to be evangelical and not territorial. 
sometimes ministers and leaders can be terrible at this. The church is God's anyway, but the way they conduct themselves, the way they relate at times indicates that their value is that this is territory rather than this is God's and uh, we need to work together on that. Um, I believe that the church is called to raise the leaders of tomorrow today. I believe that that's what the role of the church is and that God wants the church never to be consumed with personal growth in that sort of trendy way, it's all about me, and to become insular or self-focused, but instead to grow a church community which is healthy, vibrant, expansing and others-centred. And I think the most telling indicator of our spiritual intelligence is how we respond to the Great Commission, which is to go and make disciples of all the nations. You know, and as soon as we say discipleship in church life, the picture that most people have is I'm going to sit in a group with my friends and learn some more, or I'm going to get this really cool mentor who's going to disciple me. You know, and that's awesome. Like that is part of discipleship. We need to grow up into him with all those mechanisms. But I feel that discipling the nations always reminds us that like while Jesus ministered to one, he ministered to two, he ministered to groups, he always intended that we go out here and beyond. And uh, I think the evidence is there that God's kingdom is expansive, not just localised. We are a local church, but we go beyond. And uh, ever since, uh, I'll just finish up shortly, but ever since we read in the book of Acts that, uh, what chapter was it? Um, Yeah, maybe it was Acts chapter 10, I think, where Peter has the the chat to Cornelius and he realises then he didn't get it up until that point. He thought the gospel, the good news of Christ, was just for the Jews. And God shows him very specifically that it's actually for the whole world, that the gospel's for everyone. And uh, I know that Billy Graham always used the mediums that were at his disposal, radio and TV then. We've got streaming now to get the gospel out. And so uh, I think we'll queue up the media team ready for the item. Are you ready there, Elric? All good. But I just saw the time, so we won't go any further today. But I actually feel that um, it's such an exciting time to be in the church right now, to be part of the church, God's living, breathing expression of himself on earth. And uh, so for today, maybe during the week, you can uh, journal yourself or have a think about your ability your ability to exchange worldly perspectives for heavenly ones, your awareness of the unseen realm and your oral skills. Are you hearing what the Spirit is saying to the church? And uh, we'll look at some other things next week and maybe some gifts down the track. But uh, we're just going to go straight to a clip now, um, which I want us to use as we reflect on this morning and actually to pray over our nation. I'm just going to talk until it comes up. (laughs) And uh, this was done with the cooperation of 300 churches in Australia, even in a pandemic. From the bush to the beaches, the migrant to the indigenous, though girt by sea, we're not isolated. We're the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Through the fires and drought, no virus could ever hold us down because we were made for such a time as this. So the Lord bless you and keep you, Australia, in the name of Jesus.
God's people said, Amen or Amen.